The night of my 30th birthday, I was in a bar in San Francisco, you know, doing what everyone does on their 30th birthday. I was in there drinking with my buddies. Mm -hmm. And at midnight, I just said, hey guys, I'm leaving. And they said, what do you mean you're leaving? You know, the night's young, let's have another round of tequila. And I said, you know, instead of having another round of tequila to celebrate my 30th birthday, I'm gonna run 30 miles. And they looked at me and they said, come on, Dean, you're not a runner, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am drunk, but I'm still gonna do it. So I literally walked out of a, a bar in San Francisco and just said, start running. Hey, beautiful people. I'm here with my good friend, Dean Carnassus. We're about to sit down at his home up in Northern California and have a little chat. Cannot wait for you guys to get to experience Dean a little bit more up close and personal than normal. If you don't know who Dean is, you're about to. He is one of the fittest men in America, actually in the world, and one of the originals. He is the original, actual, ultra marathon man, best-selling author. Dean has done so many freaking cool adventures. It's like, I can't even start listing them. It's mind-boggling. 350 continuous miles without sleeping for three nights, running across Death Valley, 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days, North Pole, you name it. This guy has been there and been there on his two feet, on his legs. And he just inspires me and inspires so many countless, uh, frankly, thousands and thousands of people from around the world have been inspired by Dean. So I cannot wait for you to get to know him a little bit better. And here we go. Let's dig in, shall we? Hey, Dean. How are you doing? Hi, Sam. <laughs> how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for welcoming me into your home here. It's magnificent and it's great to see you again. Likewise. I always enjoy your energy. Thanks. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, who you are as a person, have our listeners get to know you hopefully in a different way than what they're accustomed to hearing about. Mm -hmm. And so feel free to share anything that comes to mind. But let's start with kind of the basics about where were you born and what was your family like in your youth? So I was born in L.A. and I was raised in Southern California, a place called San Clemente, which is a beach town in Orange County. Okay. Uh, I grew up uh, surfing. <laughs> you did? I had a past okay. life as a, like a semi-pro surfer. I had no idea about that. I knew you yeah. did some water sports, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my big thing. And, you know, what, what was my childhood like? It was pretty, pretty, it was pretty different than today's childhood in that um, there were no boundaries placed on me. My mom and dad, I think, were hippies, basically. Were they? In the 60s. And there were kind of no rules. I mean, no one ever said, no, you can't do this. No one ever said, you got to be home at this time. Oh. No one ever really said, where are you going? <laughs> mm -hmm. What time will you be back? Mm -hmm. It was kind of like the door was open, you come and go, which is, is good and bad. I mean, for someone who can manage it at a young age, it's pretty good because it's very liberating. It can also get you into trouble. Um, <laughs> yes, it can. And I got in trouble a couple of times. <laughs> but other than that, it was, a, it was a great way to grow up. And I just, you know, kids these days, it's different. Society's yeah. different, cities are different, parenting is different than it was back then. So that's kind of how my childhood was. Yeah. And your parents, what did they do when you were growing up? What was the lifestyle like there? Professional? Were they working? Stay-at-home mom kind of thing? Or? Yeah, my uh, mom was a public school teacher. Oh, so cool. she taught middle school, which she's very brave. Uh -huh. <laughs> interesting age. And my dad was kind of doing whatever he could. He kind of had an interesting career path. He was in the car business and then he decided he wanted to be a field naturalist, taking young kids out to the backcountry 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Educating them. That's kind of where he took his career. So he was a, what's called a field naturalist. So those are two skill sets. No wonder that they easily adapted into helping you with your own adventures and being really supportive as you chose this path into endurance and outrageous events. I know they go with you a lot. I've met them and, you know, we've had them in San Luis Obispo. Super cool. Yeah. So that's part of that upbringing is that's their belief system as well. Well, you know, the other thing with my parents is um, I'm 100% Greek and we are very, very close. Mm. So they go with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. And literally, I mean, too many of my friends, you know, they're, they're folks who passed away and they say my biggest regret in life is I didn't spend more time with my parents. Absolutely. And I just said, you know what, that's not going to, I'm not going to be that guy. And to not be that guy means it takes effort. Oh, um, for sure. And you, you saw I brought them to San Luis Obispo. I mean, I get invi- <laughs> invitations to travel to great events all around the world. And I say to the race directors, you know, do you mind if I bring my parents? At first, I thought, wow, they're going to think this is really weird. This grown man, you know, <laughs> wanted to bring his parents. Uh-huh. But they all respond just like you did. Like, really? You want to bring your parents? That's yeah. so cool. Of course. They're like so, the best volunteers ever. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're cheerleaders. They love to get involved and help. Mm-hmm. Um, they're retired and gives them, it gives, you know, it's good for them. It gives them a purpose. So, you know, they've been on, I think, five continents with me. I've taken them all around the world. And, you know, every race across the U.S. they've been to with me. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Did you stay down there through high school then? Stayed down there through high school and then uh, moved up to your area. Mm-hmm. I you went, went to, to college, Cal Poly. Cal Poly and um, after I got my undergrad degree, I was like, I want to stay in San Luis Obispo. How do you do this? Right. So go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I went to graduate school and then ended up moving up to San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Were you running at this point or doing any other sports besides water sports? No, I was water sports guy. All water sports. Yeah, I was, okay. at that point I was Our a Our water's pretty was, damn cold. I, it is, mm-hmm. but it's good training ground. I was a professional windsurfer. Mm. So as you know, it's uh, Central Coast, Central California is a hotbed great for spot. windsurfing. Yeah, mm-hmm. did that and it was a great place to train, really great place to train. Yeah. Were you making money doing that then? That's how I got myself through college. Really? You were crushing it then, dude. <laughs> you were like seriously doing it. Oh, that's fantastic. Windsurfing was kind of the sport. That's when time. I was in it, yeah, it was kind of a girl sport. You know, Bic was into it, big, big time manufacturers into it. There's a lot of money in it. And so I was kind of in windsurfing at the right time to okay. make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. So you okay. have a couple kids, right? I do. I, um, I have two great kids. Mm-hmm. How old are they? My daughter Alexandria is 22, and my son Nicholas is 19. Okay. So Anyone uh, living here? They were living here. I'm an empty nester now, and I have to be honest, I, don't, I hate it. You do? <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to do with myself. I mean, yeah. I get up. I walk around the house naked. You know, <laughs> put clothes on today. I'm like, why? There's, you know, and you have a lot of windows, but yeah, nobody I'm can like, see in them. The dog doesn't care. He's naked. I'm like, so, so what about that? Do you miss actually? Is it because what when they were here, it was a different kind of energy in your house, or was it activities that you were doing together that really kept you connected? Yeah, both of those. Oh. Just having their energy around. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter got into running, so you know, Sweet. Just, yeah, recreational running. She's not super competitive, but we have we run in Mount Tam. You know, right right out our front door. She loves to run. I love to run. Yeah. Uh, we have great conversations. It's just good energy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And even when we're fighting, it's still good. I'd rather be fighting and have them here than, you know, not have them here. So right. it's, it's just, we're family. And we've always been very, very close. And uh, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I'm sure a lot of um, uh, people listening to this who don't have their kids at home anymore probably can relate. I hope they can relate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
my son, I talk more to him now that he doesn't live at home and he's a grown man with a college education living <laughs> in a separate town than I did when he was at home, for sure. And when he, yeah. le when he left home and went to college, I mean, our connection just got better because it was like two adults yeah. having conversations and a completely different relationship emerges. So you're in the middle of that too, you know, figuring that out. Like they're not really kids. They haven't been kids for a long time, but you know, yeah. watching them forge their own path in life and being part of that is so cool. So, you know, so rewarding. Yeah, I mean, people always say, you know, what's the most challenging ultra uh, you've ever done? And I always say raising kids. <laughs> Parents. Yeah, yeah especially parenting. raising a teenage daughter. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah. you're right. And you develop in different ways, right? Because um, if you're, you've got to adapt and you've got to evolve and you've got to see your child in a different light. I mean, you know, here's this kid. You know, my son, who I'm changing his diapers, that's what I remember. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we go to the gym and he's just crushing me. He's outlifting me. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Like, this is, he's a big kid now. He's not, mm. a, he's not a little baby. And so, you know, and also they, you know, you know what it's like being a parent. You have to, you have to grow as much as they grow. Oh, absolutely. To do it right. And yeah. evolve, evolve with them, right? Because that yeah. means you're really invested. Yeah. With any relationship. So you do that even with your parents. You're evolving with them, you know, yeah. as they age up. You're, I, you're I right on there. You're right on in that. Thankful my parents are so active and healthy and can Excellent. go, go, go. I, I'm not ready so you for... you got a good yeah. gene package. <laughs> yeah. My mother's from an... My dad is from an area near um, Sparta in Greece, and my mom's from an island called Ikaria. Mm -hmm. And Ikaria is one of the noted um, blue zones. I don't know if oh, you heard it. It's yes, seven areas. Yeah, it's the island where people forget to die. Yeah. So there's more centenarians on this Greek island, which are people that live over a hundred yeah. than anywhere else on earth. That is so freaking awesome. And that's where my mom Maybe came from. Yeah. A great place to retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. This there's is pretty no fantastic stress, too. You, yeah. No stress. So when <clears throat> you found running, it really was not until college or after college. No, it was after college. It was. Yeah, okay. it was after college. It was after graduate school. Mm -hmm. And what line of work did you pursue? Uh, I was in corporate marketing, mm -hmm. so I was the director of marketing for a big global company called GlaxoSmithKline uh, here in San Francisco. So I got an MBA as well, so I got a graduate degree and then um, a business degree. And I had a very comfortable job in San Francisco, uh, you know, a company car, stock options, 401k. Sexy. Yeah, everything that I thought <laughs> would make perks. me. All the things that, you know, we're told, these will, these will make you really happy. You know, you got a fat paycheck, all this stuff, security. And I was miserable, Sam. I mean, I just remember getting up in the morning going, fuck, I got to put on a suit. I got to shave. I got to yeah. go to the office, sit in these sales meetings, mm -hmm. you know, oh my God, spreadsheets, this and that, PowerPoints. And the night of my 30th birthday, I was in a bar in San Francisco, you know, doing what everyone does on their 30th birthday. I was in there drinking with my buddies. Mm -hmm. And at midnight, I just said, hey guys, I'm leaving. And they said, what do you mean you're leaving? You know, the night's young. Let's have another round of tequila. And I said... You know, instead of having another round of tequila to celebrate my 30th birthday, I'm going to run 30 miles. And they looked at me and they said, come on, Dean, you're not a runner, you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am drunk, but I'm still going to do it. So I literally walked out of a, a bar in San Francisco in the Marina District. And I used to commute down uh, the coast. So I knew if I got to Half Moon Bay, that was 30 miles. So I just said, start running. And I hadn't run in 15 years. I mean, I literally stopped running uh, when I was uh, a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have running stuff. I mean, I had, thankfully I had these like uh, comfortable silk boxer underwear on. So I took off my pants and I'm running these silk boxer shorts, you know, nice. uh, in like Reebok gardening shoes. I didn't even own <laughs> running shoes. 
and drunk. You know, mm-hmm. of course I'm drunk. And about 15 miles into it, I started to sober up. I'm like, what the hell am and I doing? Suffer. Oh, and I just, suffer. Oh, this hurts so bad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was out like um, in the hills, uh, kind of above SFO. And I could see the runway in the distance. And so I was, beautiful. It was beautiful. The stars were out. And I was on this backcountry road. And it was kind mm-hmm. of foggy. And, you know, those fingertips of fog are wisping through. It's really quiet. It's really dark. And I just felt like... I, I was meant to be there. Like the first time in my life, like this is where you're supposed to be right now in this universe. Uh, just keep going. Mm-hmm. So that night I, you know, I say ran, but it wasn't really running. It was Jimmy like, Jog slog. Slog. <laughs> this is a lot yeah. of blistering and chafing involved. Totally. But, yeah. but you kept moving. You didn't go, hey, let's call an Uber and get picked up, right? Yeah. Well, Uber didn't exist back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> nor did I have a cell phone back then. One of your then. drunk buddies. Hey, when you say, sober up, would you yeah. find me on the side of the road? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I made it happen Bay, and, um, it, you know, that, that night forever changed the course of my life. Literally, yes. one night. Yeah. Yes. And it's so <clears throat> fascinating how that happens if you let it happen and don't resist it. And how there's all so many opportunities like that in our lives that we can take the right or the left. You know what I mean? It's called and bad ha- tequila. Yeah, well, how many <laughs> no. people are in that yeah. moment? It all looks different. It's not just about running, but endurance definitely puts you there a lot. And they opt out versus continuing on and saying, okay, I'm going to forge another path. What's it going to look like, you know? You know, I think that message resonates much clearer with people now than when you and I kind of decided. <laughs> Got started. You know, yeah, I mean, I don't want to date ourselves, but when we said, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, quit my corporate job and you know, bust it down as a, as a gig, you know, kind of do my own thing. Yeah. It was rare that people did that. It was oh, kind yeah. of a ballsy move. I it mean, was frowned on. I mean, you know, yeah. My parents were like, hey, you know, <laughs> who's going to pay for your health care? <laughs> this is a terrible you know, idea. Yeah, I mean, you got an MBA, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, you got a huge stock option. You, who's What's going to happen to your stock options? All that kind of stuff. To walk away from that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. So you discovered running... Um, on this crazy night of your 30th birthday and you trotted out the door. What was the next steps? Like, how did you go from, I'm leaving corporate America, I'm going to use running as a catalyst for a new life and a career path? Like, what's that trajectory look like? Well, through a series of events, I learned of the Western States 100 mile endurance run. And, um, and I thought that's the most fucked up crazy thing I've ever heard because I, when I, you know when it you first hear is. about 100 miles <laughs> mm-hmm. you can't wrap your head around it like uh, how many days you know where where are the campgrounds along the way or you know where where, yeah. where are the hotels and when someone says no the, you know the starting gun goes off and you just run until you get to the finish line and you try and do it in under 24 hours that is just my like hold a human cannot run for 24 hours and then they learn well it's actually in the mountains as well and you cross you know a river and I just thought that is just, I, I have to throw myself into this. Like, that yeah. just seems so outrageously impossible. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to learn more about this. So I went and finished the Western States 100 and saw this whole nother, you know, element of human human people. <laughs> I yeah. call them human people. It's this, like, parallel universe of, of these athletes yeah. that, to me, were just extraordinary. And um, it was so expansive mm-hmm. to run 100 miles and to think... My God, I just ran me, like mm-hmm. little old me, you incapable know, can do it of for me. You. Yeah, I just did that. Like it's, and it just was incredibly empowering. I thought, 
I, there's there's power in this for other people. Like it doesn't have to be an ultra marathon. It's like we were saying a five. It can be a five k. But to finish a five, so many people say I can never do this. You know, you are you. You're you're you know beyond anything I could ever be. Just to finish a five k says, wow, I'm I'm better than I think I am. Maybe I can go or further. Or than I was yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I improved. Yeah. And, and I think that's just an empowering message. And so when I finished Western States, I said, you know, I'm hungry. I want more. And, mm-hmm. and I want to spread this. This is, ultra running is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I got some backlash. I mean, it, I was really surprised when my book first came out. There was like a backlash. Like, hey, you know, you gave Against away. running? No, they said you gave away the holy grail of, of running. Oh. Like you exposed the world to ultra running. Like it's some big secret. Yeah, and it, w- it was never my intention to tell the world about ultra running, but some, some of the old school people said you gave it away. Ah, you let people know about the cult. Huh? Yeah, and you know, for, and for better and for worse, I mean, people say it's because of your book. You know, you contributed to hmm. what the popularity of Western states now. Like, I can't even get I, I want to, I read your book. I wanna, I've been trying for 10 years to get in. I can't get in. I mean, the, hmm. you know, the odds of getting into Western states now are lower than the odds of getting into Harvard. Mm-hmm because of the lottery system so you know there is some downside to the growing popularity but i you know when anything grows like that there's going to be growth pains mm-hmm. i think they're you know they're worth tolerating oh absolutely and it's so fascinating to me that my peers because that's part of my tribe too <clears throat> you know would have this idea that other people didn't deserve the opportunity to experience that and to be honest, I think that that um, school of thought uh, was some of the older runners. And I think, you know, I, I respect that. I respect everyone's opinion. Everyone has a right to opinion. But I think they, you know, it was, it was kind of tribal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first year I did Badwater, which was uh, 1995, there were 24 people that started. I mean, it's a much different feel <laughs> when yeah. there's 24 of you just going, fuck, this is gnarly <laughs> versus, you know, an international lottery where now that, you know, they you literally submit an application and a board approves you yeah uh, you know and they they cap it at 100 people it's, it's so totally it, nuts. you know and, and that that's forever changed yeah. maybe you know i did give away the holy grail and it, and that you know era is lost mm-hmm. um but you know the, the running has grown as well running has changed it hasn't just For been sure. ultra running yeah. yeah and there's a huge crossover of people in the running industry that are moving from roads to trails it's just a natural evol- evolution really people yeah. want to be less connected to a city and a roadway and technology and all the things that are infrastructure that road running kind of requires and naturally is part of and goes into the wilderness and see a tree or the dirt yeah. or experience, you know, mother nature. So that, we can't blame that, you for that, Dean. Yeah, no, and that, that's a trend. I mean, we've seen them running the trends, you know, obviously the growth of half marathons, mm-hmm. uh, the growth of uh, female runners, which yes. I think is really healthy for the sport. I'm so stoked to see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. dominating also, I should say, you know, the growth of uh, quote-unquote trail running, so that road to trail conversion and the growth of ultra running. Uh, those are four really strong trends we're seeing uh, right now in running. Yeah, the reemergence of, of all of those. Yeah, and thank goodness, you know. And then don't you even feel like we're just scratching the surface? I mean, there's plenty of days I do. Well, I think, you know, getting more people, and I don't even say trails. I, I always use the term onto natural surfaces because, mm-hmm. if you, you know, you go to the Midwest, it it's, can be, a graded, trails, it can be a, yeah, a graded fire road. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just a nat, it's not, it's not a, a, a road where there are vehicle tra- vehicular traffic. Mm-hmm. I think it engages people in the environment more as well because they start to appreciate, you know, the cleanliness of the air and, you know, the beauty of the trails. So I think that's a good thing too. Mm-hmm. And just getting lost out in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, there's really nothing like it. And well, doing that self-propelled, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're damn adventurous. <laughs> you know, I, I, a lot of people fear that. I mean, there, a lot of people are afraid of. of yeah, being well, out. it was scary for me yeah. at first. I'm sure you felt it was scary to a certain extent, right? I mean, you weren't comfortable on the top of that freaking mountain in the middle of the night in your boxers. You were because you felt you belonged there and it was resonating. But there was also this experimental, unknowing, and you know, a little maybe not fear, but. I don't know. What was it for you? I'll, for me, it was a little bit of fear. I think it's that... Adventure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's that uh, alchemy of different emotions, of mm -hmm. excitement, of fear, of uh, anticipation, yeah. you know, of, of foreboding. I think it's all of those mixed together that creates the, the magic of what we do. Yeah. I'd say for me, when I'm in those moments out by myself, especially in the middle of nowhere, whatever the environment might be, I literally have never felt more fully alive than at that moment. So a little bit of that has to come with the unknown, the unknowing, and a little bit of fear and, you know, what all the good stuff that comes right behind that, of course. Not letting those things rule your path and make choices. I should turn back. I should stop. I should maybe not be here, whatever that looks like. For me, one of my passions is getting more women into that space mm -hmm. because I totally believe without a doubt in my mind and young girls and teenage girls that learning those skills will make you a completely different human when you're back in the family, in the city, in the school, in the environment that is normal to mm -hmm. us, quote unquote. But you take all of that with you into that space and you will operate completely different. One of the things I really love about you is you've had longevity in this. So you figured out that it's a lifestyle, right? So a lot of professional athletes get in and, you know, run the course and then get out and go on and do other things that are completely different. So you have found <clears throat> longevity, which means that you obviously still have passion for running for the sport, for the industry. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, you know, I went into it and I said, how do you sustain a living doing this? You really love it, mm -hmm. but is it just, you know, kind of something you can do for a couple of years and, and then you got to get a quote unquote real job? Mm -hmm. And I kind of scanned the, the landscape. I mean, let's face it, I had a, you know, an MBA, I had a business degree, so I was somewhat analytical. And I said, okay, so who's some people you really admire in the sport? Mm. And, you know, as, as much as I love her, and we, we talk about this all the time, and Trace and I, like, yeah. this woman's a god. Like, I love this woman. She's just, she wins every race, regard, and most of the time she wins a men's race. I mean, she's just beyond. And, you know, and, and then I said, but is she making a living? I mean, and she was having a hard go of it. I'm like, my gosh, if this, you know, this deity can't make a living in this sport, can anyone do it? Mm -hmm. And at that point, I said, you, you just you can't rely on winning races. It's not like other sports where, you know, you win a game, you're at, you're the, you know you're 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 guaranteed Six a payout. Six-figure checks, coming. yeah, yeah, nope. I mean, you're getting a belt buckle. You win Western <laughs> States, you get a belt buckle. You can't sell those either, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, you can't sell them. If someone buys it, they're, they're you can't wear it. Come on, you right, can't wear exactly. a Western States buckle as you cross that finish line. But I I just thought at that point, you know, you you got to look. Um, at other ways to have revenue streams. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are an author. Mm -hmm. Where did the writing, the desire to write come from? What was the, you know, inspiration for the first book? I'm just, a cu I'm curious like you are and I like exploring. And so, you know, I have my life list of things I want to do, you know, go jump out of an airplane, mm -hmm. you know, th these kind of things. And I thought, write a book. I mean, everyone kind of aspires to write a book. So it was on my life list, and I thought, okay, well, you know, no time like the present. I wrote a book, 
Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's done. Uh, Ultra you know, Marathon Man was the first book, right? First book. Okay. And I thought, you know, five of my buddies buy this. I'm lucky. <laughs> and next thing I know, it's, you know, it's a best, a New York Times bestseller. It's yeah. in print in, you know, over 20 languages. I'm like, what Love is that it. about? Love because it. I thought it was such an obscure, uh, eclectic story. Like, who would be interested in this stuff? And it found an audience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it shows you at the root of humanity is running. And also just that kindred spirit of all these people who are just, you know, humans wanting to have an adventurous life. Even a lot of non-runners, I'm sure, bought that book and heard about that book and were exposed to your story. You know, and so however that impacted them, whether they chose to start running, and I'm sure you hear that story a lot, but maybe they just chose to do something else. Whatever that is, they got off their butt and they moved or they explored or they chose something really radical like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that book was so influential. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, if I took it down to my garage, I can show you boxes. First, I started getting handwritten letters mm-hmm. and I kept them all. I'm like, these are too precious. Did you really? Wow. And then, you know, I got a website and started getting messages on my website. Mm. And I've got, I would say, probably 20,000, between the, the letters and the messages, probably 20,000 messages from people across the world saying, you know, a lot of times the very first sentence of the correspondence says, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's not always from running. It's like I was 350 pounds. Mm-hmm. So many men, it surprised me, have said, you know, I was way overweight and I saw your book. I don't know why I like... I don't even run. I'm going to pick this book up. And they lost like ungodly amounts of weight, like, you know, 100, 200 pounds. They might not even be a runner, but they just, I don't know, that book inspired them to. to well, you're a dude's dude. I mean, you're totally relatable. And like you could be, um, you know, their beer drinking buddy. And you could be, you know what I'm saying? Or you could work in the cubicle next to them or whatever. You're very relatable. You're very like approachable. I'm sleeping on their couch (laughs) as I'm running by. Okay, I have a couple other questions for you. You recently wrote a little bit about, did you sell your car? I know you were talking about the fires and the air quality here and the environment, and you actually are the U.S. State Department Ambassador for Greening of the Sports Initiative. Is that correct? Yeah. What's that about? Well, you know, I'll I'll digress a bit. I am... I was approached by uh, the U.S. Department of State to be an athlete ambassador. Okay. And I said, well, what's it involved? And they said, well, we'd like to send you out on an adventure. Um, it's John Kerry. This is when John Kerry is um, the head of the State Department. Okay. He said he um, he wanted to do this. On, he's a big cyclist. He wanted to do this oh. on a bike, but uh, he's injured right now. or something. I can't remember why he couldn't do it, but he said um, there is a 525-kilometer uh, section of the silk the ancient silk road that connects uh get this uzbekistan kyrgyzstan and kazakhstan whoa and we are celebrating 25 years of diplomatic relations with those three countries we want to send a diplomat uh, on a sports uh, diplomacy envoy and we want you to do it holy smacks and i said i don't really cycle and they said well we think you can run it (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um i ended up running uh along the silk road it was an amazing experience as an ambassador for the for the u.s wow and running with thousands if not tens of thousands of of people of all walks of life Mm -hmm. you know some were just villagers and and they were living in yurts that come out and run with me wow you know others in the bigger cities were actually you know high school kids who were elite Mm cross-country runners but after that, I went on another sports um, diplomacy envoy to South America. And then John Kerry's legacy was he wanted to use sports to promote environmentalism. Okay. 
And he said, you know, no one relies on the environment, as we talked about, more than endurance sports athletes, oh, cyclists, yeah. you know, hikers, runners. So I want to start this greening of sports initiative where, you know, the, the whole endurance industry is focused on the environmental cleanups kind of thing. So, okay. you know, at that point I said, you know, everyone talks about the environment and how we need to improve the environment. You know, what, what can you actually do? I mean, you can buy a Tesla, whatever. What kind of baby step can I, Dean, take just to just feel like I'm doing something right. to reduce my carbon footprint. I said, don't drive. You don't need to drive. If mm-hmm. something's within a couple miles, you can run there. Mm-hmm. It's very realistic. You've just got to change your lifestyle. You know, you've got to get comfortable with the fact you're showing up to a meeting, kind of sweaty, and in running gear and with a backpack. Or a bike. Or, or a any bike. other self-propelled sure. mechanism. And I think people are much more tolerant of that now when you rock up like that. It used to be kind of like when I'd run in. Like, what the hell? You know, they've all got suits on. I'm in my running gear. Yeah. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm committed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I got different size backpacks. If I need to go to the grocery store, I literally use this as weight training. You know, it's training for running with a pack on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run everywhere. So I sold my car. This was about six years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. easy, it's easier now with, with Lyft and Uber <laughs> yeah. to do this because you get stuck, you, get you, stuck, can, get you can just very easily get picked up. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of my commitment. So I, I kind of wrote about it in a, in a column. Uh, that was I have a column with uh, Ultra Running Magazine. And I kind of issued the challenge. Hey, people, mm-hmm. if you really want to do something, you know, sell your car. Mm-hmm. Or just don't go without your car and see you can really do it. Prove to yourself you can do it. And then a friend of mine, Jason Coop, was so moved by the article. He, he reached out to me and said... Um, this is amazing. Um, let's let's do this. Let's let's really pr- promote it out. I want to do a uh, driverless December campaign. Okay. Hashtag driverless December. Oh wow! It's almost December. It's 1st. almost December. Yeah. And this is back in October. And okay. so I said, "Wow, um, Jason, you've inspired me. Let's even start earlier. Let's start with a uh, no car November." <laughs> So right now, the hashtag no car November is trending. Okay. So we said, you know, go without your car. And if you can do it, you know, tell us your story. Take a picture of you in sweating running gear, you know, with a backpack on, whatever. Nice. And then we're almost into driverless December. Okay. And is this primarily just in California, in the United States? Where are you trying to promote this? In your own neighborhood? Are you trying to get people in their own communities to activate their own community in this way? Just activate themselves. Okay. Like it's just... You yourself. Like okay. what can start you with know, you. What can you yourself do? And that was the challenge is go driverless. Try it for a month. Go driverless mm-hmm. or as long as you can do it. Yeah. Try it. That's like in San Luis Obispo, May is bike month. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people bike to work and there's a huge push for it and it's so cool to see it. But then the minute May is over, everybody gets back to their car, you know? <laughs> we got to think of a, a theme for January then. Yeah. Get... And I would say um, I love stuff like this. I recently moved into a tiny house in San Luis Obispo, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, we're trying yeah. to figure that whole thing out, my husband and I. And doing whatever whatever your thing is, right? Like everybody has a play and a part there. But if you can look at the your lifestyle and over time make choices that support that lifestyle and your value system you don't have to do it tomorrow right like slowly chip away at that so i thought about the tiny house thing for years right it took Mm -hmm. this long to actually be able to get the rest of life to support that that might be a possibility same with the car or riding your bike to work or running to work or whatever piece of the action that you're going to really do to have an impact Mm -hmm. It might mean that you have to move to a different place so you can then walk or ride your bike safely to get around. 
I know that's a lot of feedback I get from people because yeah. it's like, well, it's not safe to ride my bike in this area, that area, or I live in a city or it's too far or whatever. But again, we made those choices where we were going to live, where we were going to work, how we were going to move around the systems, you know? But I think more and more I am seeing that people are doing those steps and it's so cool to just see that in action. No, I agree. And um, I think, like you said, it's becoming more mainstream living this kind of more conscientious, environmentally conscientious uh, sort of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could rift on the environment and, you know, my thoughts on that for a long time. But uh, I'm also a realist. I mean, I travel the globe. A lot. Yeah, yeah. I travel mm -hmm. a lot. And I see kind of, you know, the things that are happening in Central Asia, <laughs> you know, with environmentalism. And I mean, you know, I, I've run across Haiti. Mm. You know, when someone is interested primarily in how they're going to get to the end of the day alive, yeah. they're not interested Survival. in clean air. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's a much more systemic problem with the global economy uh, than, than just the U.S. But again, what can you do? Mm -hmm. Hey, you can go without a car for a month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's something and it, and it spreads the word and it's something measurable and, and something that you can, you know, a, a quick soundbite you can push out to someone, no car November. Well, I would say that you also align yourself with sponsors and partners that share your values. And I know we've talked about that, being particular and making conscious choices about who you play with and who you're willing to, you know, go to bat with. Can yeah, you no, talk about right. that a little bit? You're absolutely right. I mean, I think my, my, uh, my partnership with the North Face has been over two decades. I know it's phenomenal. I'm shocked, but impressed. Like, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, good friend of mine used to work at the North Face and I got him into trail running mm -hmm. and we took it to the North Face and said, look, trail running, let's do this. And they said, what do you mean trail running? I mean, people are <laughs> backpacking with big, you know, vibrant 40 pound on, packs, 45 packs. Uh -huh. And I said, no, Little I'm going to go run the John Muir trail. Like, what do you mean run? So I went and ran the John Muir trail and, you know, events convinced the North Face, hey, trail running, we can play in this space. We belong in this space. I mean, you know, the dominant, they said, well, there's companies that are dominating, you know, the, the athletic and running uh, business. I mean, there's Nike, there's, you know, New Balance, there's Adidas. And we said, no, you know, they, they're not trail companies. I mean, they're on the road. Look at, the, look at what they do. They support track athletes. We're, we're something different. The North Face, we have permission to play on the trails. That's yes. where our heritage comes from. Yes. So the North Face has been very supportive for two decades, getting into the whole trail scene. You know, Fitbit is another great sponsor of mine, and you know they're not known as a hardcore athletic track. I mean, they're not a Sunto, they're not a Garmin, and that's why I like Fitbit because they're a step counter. Um, my mother-in-law in Lubbock, Texas, got all her friends into into Fitbit, and their goal is to take ten thousand steps a day. I mean, these oh, are cool. these are not runners. I mean, mm -hmm. these are you know these are older women. And they all have Fitbits and, you know, they're slim devices. They're not a big bulky GPS device on their wrist, but that's what I really love about Fitbit is mm. it, you know, someone who's trying to take 10,000 steps a day is not going to go buy a $600 Garmin. I mean, that's not their need, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more people that need to take <laughs> 10,000 steps a day than need to track, you know, their mountain workout on a Garmin. Right, right, or upload it to some yeah. platform and yeah, have it be. I don't yeah. even use any technology at this point in my life. I might reintroduce it just for some training purposes and kind of getting up in my game in my training department. Yeah. But like that kind of technology has been a challenge to, you know, at what point do we not have to have a piece of technology on us or with us, you know? So yeah. finding that balance. 
it, it's you know it's good and bad. I mean, I you know obviously I'm a believer in technology. You know, every, every, Strava. We'd never be able to track it if you didn't wear it. Where the hell is he <laughs> now? Where is he? Yeah, but I then mean, don't yeah. you sometimes? And I mean, in all honesty, when the hell do you just escape? And I mean totally escape, where we don't know where you're at and what you're doing has nothing to do with anything but you. Yeah. I do it all the time. You do? I do it all the time. And, okay. you know, I think people see me uh, in a public light because I'm public, but I go dark a, a lot. I mean, not for extended periods, mm -hmm. Sam, but I mean, I'll go run all night, you know, a lot of times. And I won't post about it. I won't do anything. I won't even track it. I'll just go out uh, with a hydration pack and, and run yeah. for 12 hours. You know, I'll run up to Napa Valley. I love doing that. Mm -hmm. Have my wife meet me up there the next day and, you know, spa and and come back that evening. So I do yeah. things like that. All I mean, that's, I think why I've stayed so passionate about running for so mm -hmm. long is I love to, you know, the, I used to live in Australia and there's this Aboriginal um, heritage thing they used to do called walkabout, mm. where if you kind of got, of age or? It, when you kind of got, it wasn't even coming of age. When you kind of mm. got stale in your environment, you just set out and walkabout, oh, which means hell. you just so wander. like a sabbatical on foot. Sabbatical on foot. Mm -hmm. Wander for however long it took to, to come back and see the place with fresh eyes. So I That's just said... That's phenomenal. We need to bring that back. I, or, you know, bring it to America or... I've written about runabout. You're doing the it. The equivalent runabout? called runabout. And okay. that to me is just, you know, put your cell phone, put a wallet uh, in your hydration pack, you know, put your <laughs> yeah. headlamps in there and go run. Uh -huh. Just say, you know, I'm going to run for 15 hours. You don't even have to run. Walk. Just mm -hmm. be outside exploring somewhere new for 15 hours mm -hmm. all night. Sunrise to sunset. Sunrise. And very few people actually see the whole cycle of a day. I mean, oh, no. people live in... fascinating? Yeah. I mean, they don't see the sunrise, the sunset, the moonrise, and then the sunrise the next morning. And that's where we came from, right, as a species. So I think when someone does that once, it, it just changes who you are fundamentally. Mm. I want to create a movement around that. I love that idea. You like that runabout. I love that idea because to me, well, first of all, I'm drawn to it immediately. Like I think, yeah, I have to do that fast. But it's an opportunity to not just physically do a reboot and like discover yourself physically, but what would transpire over the course of that time mentally, emotionally, spiritually as you're engaged in the world. So one of the things that fascinates me around travel, outdoor adventure, ultra running is the human connection piece. Mm -hmm. So imagine the people that you'd meet <laughs> along that way and well, the Sam. things that you'd see along that way and how can you not be changed by that? Impossible. Uh, and you, uh, you see, you see the, the, the power in, in the runabout awesome. and the magic. I mean, I when you it. run into 7-Eleven in Petaluma at 3 in the morning in running gear with a reflective vest on, you know, and the guy behind the counter is just, he's hoping he doesn't get robbed tonight, you know, and <laughs> he sees you running and, hey, you got any power bars or yeah. where's the coconut water? Yeah. You just connect. You've got a headlamp on, a yeah. hydration pack. You're yeah. sweaty. Mm -hmm. You're colorful. You just connect with this human on a different level. I mean, mm -hmm. you break through any sort of pretensions, mm -hmm. any sort of layers, protective layers are just evaporated. And there's curiosity. Like, Whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> you want a banana at three in the morning? <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want lick. You don't want booze. You want cigarettes. I mean, you don't want a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. I'm running all night. Hold it. What do you mean? Where do you? Well, I started in San Francisco. You know. <laughs> It, it, it's very interesting, the conversations you have. The, uh, the human element is really interesting. And 
this runabout does it doesn't have you know a lot of times we think about runabouts as going off in the wilderness because we live in California there's a lot of wilderness to go off into. Mm-hmm. I've done urban runabouts. You can go like I ran 24 hours around São Paulo, um, Brazil, with a friend of mine. Just 24 hours on the streets of São Paulo, wow. Brazil. Is that what that Men's Health magazine urban thing is that you're part of? Is that like going around the, the urban city? athlon? Yeah. Um, no, that was those were actually obstacle course races. Oh, they were like, okay. they were like the Spartan race, but mm-hmm. it was uh, it was instead of being um, like on a trail, it was in an urban setting. Oh, okay. So you'd run up, okay. you know, like to the firehouse and yeah. Okay. Yeah. This runabout idea, I think we're onto something. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, it's it's yeah. And like I said, it can be done anywhere by anyone. And it doesn't, you don't have, there's no time limit. You don't have to run fast. You can exactly. walk. If you feel like getting a latte, go get a latte. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Connect with the humans. For me, a big part of it would be, it's not a workout. Like it's, it's a physical expression of exploring a space, connecting with other humans, and digging deep into your own bloody soul, for God's sake. And people are scared to do that, right? Yeah. So doing that on two feet. Yeah, I'm glad you're a believer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Let's go right now. What are you doing tonight? Yeah. Right? Seriously. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share that's new and exciting or just some tidbits about yourself that maybe people don't generally know that might be kind of fun? What could I say to people that, you know, one is that um, a lot of people don't know I'm a huge introvert. And people think, wow, you're so gregarious now going, and you're always on. You're a personal brand. You're larger than life. You know, like, how did you, you know, who's your agency, and, you know, who's your publicist? How do they do such a great job? I'm like, wow. I mean, you're looking, publicist, you're looking, you're talking to the the brand. But um, I have another side that's very protected and very, um, I, I need my dean time. And it's, it's not selfish, I don't think. It's just because that's how an introvert relates to the world. I mean, I'm not... I'm very comfortable being by myself, and a lot of people are not, mm-hmm. so uh, that's fine. I think that uh, a lot of people will listen to this and go, wow, I'm very surprised he's, he's so introverted, but that's, you know, from a psychological profile, mm-hmm. I'm very introverted, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a healthy yin and yang, that's how you're balancing out what you do do. When you are out in the world and you're doing this larger-than-life persona in the space, how you're able to do that and really meet the needs and connect to hundreds of thousands of people is that you're also giving yourself the solo time and connecting with yourself and being solid in who you are and regrounding and all that. If you didn't do that, there's no way in hell that would other side would be sustainable, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Thankfully, the people that, you know, the Dean fans are great people. Like when people come up to me in the airport, Oh, you know, can I have it? I'm so, so sorry. You know, can we do a selfie? Can we, you know, can I have a signature? Whatever. These are people I'd like to go sit down and have a glass of wine or have a beer with. I mean, they're yeah. good people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine someone like a rock star that's got like, you know, groupies. <laughs> I don't know how they even deal. Because, right. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the people that come up to me, they're like solid people. And I, I, I could engage in their backstory as much as they engage in mine. So I'm, I'm very um, great, you know, very thankful in that regard. But... You do get somewhat objectified in these group settings. Like I was just at the running event and we did mm-hmm. this um, night run. You know, there's a couple hundred people there. Okay. And, you know, in that element, you you know, people, you're kind of an object. Like, hey, oh, my buddy loves you. You know, take a selfie with me. Sign this. Do that. Do that. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just, you're not even human at a point. You're just this mm-hmm. this entity. And that's a little impersonal. And that's when I really, like, 
you know, <laughs> get me yeah. out of trouble by myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why that time by yourself to reconnect with yourself and reground and reboot basically mm -hmm. allows you to not take on any of that stuff because there's a lot of energy exchange and a lot of things going on and a lot of agendas and a lot of, you know, world stuff. Mm -hmm. And for us to continue to do the work that we are here to do, like we have to be able to, you know, fluff that off and sort of move on our own path. Otherwise the path gets swayed by all these influences of others. And it's really hard not to let that happen, especially yeah. on the scale that you have, unless you really get solid with yourself on a regular basis. Yeah, I agree. Do the work and you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I just need a lot of processing time just to kind of put <laughs> things in perspective. And to me, going out on a trail run for a couple hours, so good, unplug, right? not listening to it, just kind of working through it. it you put you put everything back, it has meaning, and, and it, you know, what's important it comes to the forefront, and what is unimportant just drops off. Oh, you said put everything back. Immediately, immediately I got the vision of like putting all the puzzle pieces back in place. The, the pieces yeah. that are you, right? Because when you're out in the world, yeah. like I immediately got this visual of that. That's so yeah. freaking powerful. Yeah. That's good stuff. The puzzle pieces, I'll remember that. Yeah. yeah. The puzzle's kind of frayed, and you. Well, they all. get scattered and, yeah. you know. The picture gets unclear and then you put it together and it's a beautiful uh, yeah. stream or something. <laughs> yeah. This was awesome. It was great to see you and uh, to be up here in your... It's always too short, freaking... Sam. Yeah, I know, right? And, so yeah. maybe we'll have to do one of these runabouts. I kind of have something in mind for my 50th birthday next year, so I'll circle back on that. Maybe you're going to get invited to my birthday runabout. I love it. Huh. And I'll tell you what, the, the kind of hybrid of um, urban to yeah. rural, like we love talked about, it. you know, running out on a trail and then popping out at a trailhead and running through the city of Petaluma, stopping at 7-Eleven, then getting back on the Napa Valley Trail and then ending up in a winery yeah. to celebrate your 50th birthday <laughs> <So> <laughs> with awesome. a mimosa. Yeah, I mean, don't get any better. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks yeah. for your time. Thank you for joining us on this adventure to Endurance Town, USA, where we get to sit down and chat with regular people living the endurance lifestyle. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe on the button on your device now to hear more great stuff as it lands. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Endurance Town, USA for behind the scenes photos, videos, and more. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time we go on this journey to Endurance Town, USA.